The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. One of, uh, one of the, the exciting things, I'm still new here. We've only lived in Morgan Hill for a few months now. One of the things that I really love about Morgan Hill is it has a very fun and cool downtown area. And I know that this maybe wasn't always the case, so thank you for changing that before I moved here. I appreciate it. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I really like is it is very accessible, right? We have kids, so like whenever you go someplace, you're like, all right, we have strollers. Is it going to be easy to park? Is it being able to, to easy to get around? And for me, at least, Morgan Hill very much so is very easy to do that. We had friends from Chicago who were in town a couple of months ago, and they were meeting us downtown. And so we told them, hey, we're going to be parking. We're going to meet for lunch. We say, we're going to be going to the parking garage on 4th Street. That's where we're going to park. And they wanted to know, hey, was that the, is that the same parking garage that, that we met at the time before? And I said, yes. It's the only parking garage in Morgan Hill. So yes, in fact, it is the same one, right? Because when your context is parking in downtown Chicago or downtown of a large city, you're like, which parking garage are we going to go to, right? Because if you've been to areas like that, especially during busy seasons, you know that sometimes the biggest challenge is just where to park your car. This was true oftentimes when, when I lived previously in Chicago. And one of those times that, that everyone was always fighting for parking, it seemed like, was something that, that the city would hold every year called the Chicago Air and Water Show. And they estimated that approximately on Saturday and Sunday, approximately 2 million people would flock to the lakefront there in Chicago to watch the boats and the airplanes and all the other things that were there. And right where the parking was, right where the air and water show happened to be, was right by the church where I worked. And so people on the, all weekend long would, you know, be there ungodly early in the morning, pay a ridiculous amount of money just to get their parking spot, right? And so, but I had, I had a key. I had something that very few other people had and that the lot that was one of the main lots for parking was a lot that I had monthly parking to because it's where I parked every day when I went into work. And so I remember we would get down there and there would be cars who people would think, oh, I'll show up an hour before and find parking. It's like, I'm sorry, my friend, you need to show up hours before, not, not one hour before. And there's lines and there's people honking their horns and you can see them like leaning out the windows, yelling at the person like they're going to magically make more spots appear in this lot, right? Like they're all upset. And then I pull up and I roll down the window and I show them the little fob that I have and they open a new lane and say, come right this way, sir. And I just scoot right in and then I hear more honking behind, right? More words. And I'm like, and they're like, how come he gets to go? See, it was always great going down because I knew no matter how bad the mess was, I had a guaranteed parking spot for me. Right? And because I knew that, hey, even though there's going to be millions of people down here, I know where I can park. It created just this environment. Oh, it's just enjoyable. I don't have to join into the madness to find it. See, having assurance of something in the future changes and should change our present. Right? Because I knew where I was going to go. I didn't have to stress because I had that comfort. 
And today we're gonna look at this passage as we continue through the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter one, starting at verse 11 this morning. We're just gonna be looking at a few verses, verses 11 to 14. And we're gonna look here this morning on how as followers of Jesus, we can have assurance when it comes to the future because of Jesus. And our future assurance should change how we live in the present. Our future assurance of what we have in Jesus isn't just this future thing that we can know we have, but it should actually impact, and and we can see today, hopefully together, how it impacts our lives even today. So we're going through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one, starting at verse 11, says this. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The first source of assurance we have as followers of Jesus, the first source of assurance is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God assures us in this world of what we have coming to us. The passage starts by saying, in him. If you were not here with us last week, that's talking about Jesus. Every spiritual blessing we have, including those future blessings, come to us through Jesus. In Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance. Again, last week when we talked about why it was important that we were adopted as sons, that's not to mean male or female, but a a sonship adoption was one that meant that we have all the rights and privileges that Jesus himself has, including the inheritance. And that's why he brings this back up. We've obtained an inheritance. We've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And then he says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, scholars kind of debate over this, but, but most likely what Paul means there by those who are first to hope in Christ is he's referring to himself as a Jewish believer. As a Jewish believer in salvation, historically, they were the first to have a hope in the Messiah and the first to place their faith in Jesus. He by no means is saying that what they have is somehow different than what the Gentiles have. In fact, he's going to very clearly say that in the next two verses that we're going to look at today. But he's here talking about this, and we're going to see more of why as we walk through this passage today and in the future weeks. And he brings up here in talking about what God has in store for all of people, he brings up here the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Notice what he says about about Jesus. It says he's worked all things according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. See, the sovereignty of God refers to God's rule and reign over all things. That God's plan, God's purposes will happen. Nothing can stop it. And this text is one of the foundational things in scripture that teaches us on the sovereignty of God. Notice what it says about the sovereignty of God. At the end of verse 11, that all things work according to the counsel of his will. Not my will, not your will, not our will. All things work according to the counsel of his will. This is saying that God's plan in the world, God's purposes cannot be stopped. But it's God's plans that cannot be stopped. My plans can. Your plans can. God's plans cannot. 
See, it's his will, it's his purposes that are sovereign, not our own pleasures, not our own desires. Now, what this means when we think about the sovereignty of God is this, is that because God works all things together for his will, for his purposes, not ours, there will be times in our life that will seem confusing because God's will does not align to our will. All right, or more probably better phrase, our will doesn't align to his will. And so we will look at the things around us and we will be utterly confused as to what's going on because we don't understand his will. We're thinking along our plans for our life. Years ago, um, my wife was, was having a birthday and her birthday is in January. It's right after the holidays, right? And so, so if you have a birthday around that time, you know everyone's just like, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And it's like, oh, and you have a birthday too. Happy birthday. Here's a high five, right? Like, you're like, what a bummer, right? And so I, I wanted to make sure that, that we did something special for her. And she had lots of friends who were, who were in town and out of town kind of moving, traveling over the holiday season. But I had planned for Kristen a surprise birthday party at our house. Now, I was, I was hoping that it would work, but as most of you who have probably tried to pull a surprise birthday party, you know, like sometimes the person's like, surprise, They're like, oh, wow, I had no idea, but I actually knew, but I'll act surprised so I don't hurt your feelings, right? And so it was, her birthday was on a Sunday. And so we go to church that Sunday, and I'm a pastor at that church. And so we had told her, her her thinking was, all right, we're going to go to church, we'll come home, we'll change, and then we'll go out for kind of a nice meal, have a nice, quiet kind of Sunday afternoon. That's what, when she had asked, what are we going to do for my birthday? That's what we had planned. And so church is over, and she's like, hey, I'm hungry, let's go. And people keep coming and talking to me. And I keep talking to them. And Kristen is very gracious, very kind, but I can kind of see her over there like, it's my birthday. Like, well, why are we still? And it's like, it, she, she's, and she was like, every person that I feel like you could have talked to, you found and you talked and you didn't just say hi. Like you kept talking and you, she's being very gracious and patient, but she's over there and I can kind of see her out of the corner of her eye like, come on, let's, let's get going. Let's get going. She had no idea. Why was I talking to everyone? because I was waiting for all our friends from church to get to our house to surprise her, right? So she's over there and she could be getting frustrated, but she's gracious and kind. So we get in the car. She's like, finally, we're in the car, right? And I remember she was on the phone with her best friend, which worked perfect because she had no, like paid no attention to the cars that were on the street or looking for anything like that. And she's on the phone and she walks into our house when suddenly she opens the front door and there's like 25 people in our living room screaming surprise to her. I remember she's on her phone. She literally goes, ah, on the phone. And her best friend's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's like, I'm okay, I'll call you back. And like hangs up the phone. I had to like call her later. No, I'm okay. I didn't just get abducted. Like it was, it was a surprise birthday, right? But Kristen could have been really frustrated and angry, but she didn't know the whole picture, right? There were things going on that were actually for her blessing, for her benefit that in the moment may have seemed frustrating. And why is this happening? See, there are things in our life that we will gripe about. We will say, why is this happening? Because this doesn't go with my expectation. This doesn't go according to my plan. This is not how I want my life to go. And God's sitting there and he's smiling. He's saying, I have my plan too. And nothing can stop it. And see, when we are frustrated with our plans, we need to go back and think, is this because it's just my will or is, am I living my life according to God's will. 
Because God's will cannot be stopped. All things work according to the counsel of his will. Then there's that phrase there, which we can skim over. I've said it probably five or six times, but it is still shocking and astonishing when we think of the sovereignty of God. In verse 11, I want you to look down so you know I'm not making it up. The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Not good things, not some things, not most things, but all things. The God who works even recall elections according to the purpose of his will. The God who works global pandemics, the God who works unemployment and job loss and struggle and pain and hardship according to his will. The God who works all things according to his will. See, Romans 8.28, which is another text that we talk about when we think of the sovereignty of God, reminds us of this. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. See, the question isn't, is God working this together? The question is, what is God's purpose? What is the goodness here that God has for us if all things work together for good? See, in that next verse, which we so often don't keep reading to in the book of Romans, it talks about how those whom he knew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. See, that's the good that God has purpose for every single one of us, that in every situation in life, we would become more like Jesus. That's the good that God is searching for in our lives. See, I have no idea what you're struggling with this morning, what you're going through in your life. And I, but I have no doubt that for every single one of us, we bring worries and concerns here today. Perhaps it's kind of the basic things that a lot of us would be worried about. Worried about our kids, worried about the future, worried about finances. But maybe for some of you, there are much more immediate, pressing worries, concerns. There's things that last night you could not sleep because they came to minds. There's issues, there's difficulty, there's hardship. I have no idea. But I do know that whatever it is that you are facing, it falls under the sovereignty of God. That he will work all things, even that thing in your life, according to the counsel of his will. See, I don't know about you, but in my life, when I struggle with worry and doubt, it's often because I'm trying to control the things in my life that I need to trust God with, right? Those things that come up that I want to control, I want to find the solution, I need to do this. And rather than trusting God, I hold on to it. And I just want to challenge you this morning. This may be one of the most difficult things that we can do. But in those things that consume us with worry and with pain and with doubts, to trust God even in that because we might not know the end answer. We may not know what God will do, but we are convinced and we can be convinced that in every area of our lives in which we worry, God is sovereign over every single one. So let's submit things to God because he is the God who's sovereign over all things. Because God is sovereign over all things. It gives us an assurance, a confidence into the future. Because we know that nothing that happens falls outside his plan for us. 
and for our lives. Verse 13 says this, in him, still speaking of Jesus, right? In Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, the second assurance that we have, the second source of assurance is the sealing of the Spirit, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Now, when Paul says, you also, what he's doing here is he's now inviting Gentile believers, non-Jewish Christians, into the conversation as well, saying, we who are first to believe, you also, together in Jesus, we have this. See, we, we talked about last week in verse 10, the purpose of all things is to unite everything in Jesus. And Paul talks here, and he will especially in chapter two, specifically on how the cross and what Jesus has done breaks down the Jewish Gentile divide, which was the largest racial divide in their time. And so what he's starting to hint at here <clears throat> is that in Jesus, there are no second class citizens. There is no, oh, well, you get this, but because you're from this family, you get this. He's saying, no, we together are in Jesus. And when we heard the word of truth, it's not just a story from a long time ago, but it's the truth of what Jesus has done. It's the gospel of your salvation. It's the good news of what Jesus can do for us. When we heard it and believed it, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, believing and being sealed with the Spirit are not things that happen at separate times. It's not like we believe in Jesus on this day, and then at a later date, we are now sealed with the Spirit. When the Bible talks about believing in Jesus and receiving and being sealed with the Holy Spirit, it's basically two sides to the same coin. That when you believed, you got the Holy Spirit and were sealed with him. They happen at the same time. Belief in Jesus leads to the Spirit sealing you as well. So what does it mean? If this is true of every single one of us who place our faith in Jesus, what does it mean to be sealed by the Spirit? Well, two kind of key things that, that come to mind when, when Paul is writing here. First, is this idea of authenticity, that a seal proves that what is inside is authentic and real. They would have thought in this time in the image of a letter being sent and a king's perhaps seal, the ring that he had put on it in wax and it would seal it shut, marking the king's image, showing that what was inside was the authentic message from someone. It was not tampered with. This is genuine. It is real. The spirit is the seal on us saying that our salvation is authentic. See, there were lots of, lots of things that I knew would be different when, when we moved to Morgan Hill, one that I didn't realize that would happen so regularly and so frequently, and I guess I'll take it as, as a, a compliment, is emails to the rest of the staff here at Morgan Hill Bible Church impersonating me. This is a very real thing. Just go ahead and ask the staff this. As I was here less than a month when, when one of our, I actually I think it went out to most of the staff, but someone sent me a screenshot of it and it was from someone and their, their name on their email was, this is from Michael Best. And they sent it in the middle of the night because man, when we've checked our email before we drank our coffee, dangerous things can happen in the morning, right? And they said, I, I have a task for you to handle heedfully. No calls, I will be waiting for your response. Right? To which I warned our staff, first, if I ask you to handle something, handle heedfully, it's not from me. All right? Secondly, I will never ask 
for money over the internet. I only want cash, all right? So when it's from me, I just want your cash. Don't send money over the internet, right? But, but so there, there was an impersonator, you know, what, what was the sign that people went and looked to? Well, they went to look at the email address. It was actually some one with a whole bunch of letters and numbers at some random one. They just happened to put the name as me, hoping that someone would fall for it, right? And so when they went and looked at the email, they could see, oh, this is not an authentic thing. This is fake, See, how do we know that the salvation we have in Jesus is real? How do we know it's authentic? How do we know it's not fake? It's the Spirit's work in our lives. The Spirit is the seal that our salvation is authentic. This is why in Romans 8, 16, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The surest sign of our salvation is we look for the Spirit's work in our lives and we see him working and moving and we know that the Spirit himself seals us and that our salvation is authentic, but not only authentic, but the second sign of, of, of what it means to be sealed is that it points to ownership as well. It points to ownership. This sealing something would have been commonly used in an agricultural setting of branding their cattle so they know who it belonged to. And it was marked, and it was forever permanently marked as theirs. And no matter where that cattle would roam to, sometimes the flocks would mix. They knew who belonged to who because of the seal that each one carried. See, we do this in different ways today still. I don't know if you've been a member of a local Facebook or next door group, but if you are, it only is a matter of time until you start to see the small or the, the sad cries on there for the missing pets that come, right? The poor missing pets. And I, I remember a story from a few years ago of, of a man in Portland, Oregon, who was looking for his cat and couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Months, years went by and he couldn't find his cat. And then he got an unexpected phone call that his cat, Sasha, was found five years later, still weighing 19 pounds. So wherever that cat was, he was eating good, that's for sure, all right? But the cat was 1,200 miles away from Portland, Oregon. They don't know how it got there. But when they took it into the vet, it was found in the street. It had a microchip implanted, and it showed who the true owner was, Right, and five years later, they were able to reunite the cat with its actual owner. See, it didn't matter how far away it had traveled, that, that seal, that the microchip was the seal of ownership to who it truly belonged to. It showed to who its true owner is. And the Holy Spirit is the seal. It's the sign for us that even when we wander from God, we still belong to him. And we may wander for a day, for a week, we may wander for months or years of our lives. We may wander just a little ways from God. Some of us in periods of our life have wandered. Maybe you're here today and you've wandered very, very far from God. But when we believe in Jesus and we are sealed with the spirit, it means that we belong to God and nothing we can do can change that. That no matter how far we are from him, that's why no sin in our life can remove us from Jesus because we're sealed with the spirit and he belongs to us and we belong to him. We are his, he is ours. And so we are sealed with the spirit, meaning that our faith is genuine and that God owns us. We are his children, not just in the good times, but in the hardship, not just when we're walking with him, but even when we wander. We are his. Verse 14, 
continuing to speak of the Holy Spirit. It says, he who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. See, the third source of assurance here is the security of the Spirit, the security of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've talked about our inheritance. We looked at it there in verse 11, and it comes back up here in verse 14, that this inheritance is guaranteed. Well, what are we talking about? What what do we have coming to us as followers of Jesus? Do we get up and it's like, hey, congratulations, you had a rich great aunt that you never knew. Here's $2 million, right? You're like, yeah, I have an inheritance. What, What is he talking about? Well, he's looking forward to the future and we may think of, well, this is referring to heaven and it is, but often when we think of the blessings of heaven, at least like me, if you were raised in church, you start to think of like gold and mansions and like, ooh, the stuff that comes with heaven. When the Bible thinks of our future inheritance in heaven, it focuses on one primary thing and that's God himself. That is that we will be with God. Revelation 21, and looking forward to the time where we will receive our inheritance, it says this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. See, when we think of our inheritance, it's not some lump sum of money. It's not some great thing that we have in the future for us to enjoy. The inheritance, when the Bible looks forward to the future of what we have, it's a full relationship unencumbered by sin with God himself. That's what we have coming to us. The inheritance, and get this, that inheritance is guaranteed for us because of the Holy Spirit. Notice that he is the guarantor of our inheritance. Some, some translations would say that the Holy Spirit is the down payment or the pledge for what we have coming to us. This word in ancient Greek still exists today in modern Greek, and it's used, a version of it is used to speak of an engagement ring today. That an engagement ring, it is a sign of something. It's a guarantee of something better that is to come, but it's a very real sign now in the present. It talks about, it's the sign until we acquire possession of it or until we fully grasp it. See, eternal life begins at the moment of conversion, the moment of belief. And we have a taste now of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, a relationship with Jesus. We have a taste now of what this will be like, but the future will be so much better than even what we experience now in the present. Remember when I was... When I was young, I don't know, maybe they still do this today, but when I was young, often when you would buy a video game, kids, this was back in the day, they actually like came in CDs or cartridges and you had to like blow on them to make sure they worked when they didn't work, right? And then then this downloading stuff. But when you would, they would often send you a sample one or a demo game as well. And the purpose of these demo games is you would put them in and you would start to play it and you'd be like, 
oh yeah, this is fun. And right where it got to be really fun and you were like about to go to the next level, there would a screen come and it'd be like, this concludes this demonstration. For $49.99, you can purchase the full game at Go Here, right? And as a kid, you were like, no, because it gave you this taste of what it was, but it, it left you desiring something more. Right? It drew you in, but you knew, oh, I want, I want the full experience. I want the full game because this little bit was so good that what, what I want in the future, will, oh, that's what I want. This describes our relationship with God now. That we have on this earth, in these fallen sinful bodies that we possess in this state, we have a taste of what it is like to be in relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. It is very real. It is authentic. But it should leave for us a desire to say, man, I cannot wait to be face to face with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To have no sin come between me and him. To be in perfect relationship with him forever. See, we have a small taste of what we will experience one day if we are in Jesus. It's just a small taste. My friends, it cannot be overstated how amazing our future is. It cannot be overstated. If you are in Jesus, words cannot describe how amazing our future inheritance being with God will be. And it's guaranteed because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, one of the defining marks of the Christian life in every situation should be our hope. In every situation, we are those who should always be hopeful. And so often in our world, hope is this term used for like, oh, well, you've gone through a rough season and it's kind of like, well, maybe it will get better. We use the word hope like it's like a 50-50 chance, maybe not even that. It's probably not going to go good, but we hope it will go better than it has. And sometimes when we, we bring this terms of thinking, when we think about what it's like as a Christian to have hope, we're like, well, maybe it will get better someday. Maybe it will all be worth it in the end. Maybe a life with Jesus forever with him is actually better off than my life now. I, I, I hope so. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not just a guess on what it will be, but it's a guarantee. It's how we live life now because of how we know the future will be. Not just what we think it will be, but the confidence that we can have. It's not just some baseless guessing of what we have coming for us. See, if you are in Jesus today, if you are a follower of Jesus, everything you have in life is because of him. But what you will have is even far greater than what you've ever experienced to date. To see him face to face, to be fully known by him and to see him for who he truly is. Words cannot describe how great it will be for those of us who are in Jesus. And we can rest assured, not because of how great we are, not because of our obedience or our qualifications or what we add to God. No, we can rest assured because we have the Holy Spirit who guarantees that it's coming to us who's sealed us and said, we are his. We are his people, no matter what, we belong to God. And we serve a God who is sovereign over all things. He works everything, even the pain and difficulty of your life today, according to the counsel of his will. And so the challenge is, 
Will we allow what we know our future to be like to impact our present today? See, heaven is not just something that we should think, well, someday we'll get there, but it should give us such perspective, such hope for what we face now, knowing what we have someday. Will you allow that future perspective that we have guaranteed to change your present circumstances of today? God, we thank you for what you have so richly blessed us with in Jesus. God, we thank you that we can have that assurance knowing that we are yours and that everything we have in Jesus will come to pass because it's not based on us or what we've done, but it's based on your spirit sealing us for that day of redemption. God, there's many here today as we talk of the sovereignty of God who we wrestle with and we say in our lives, but what about this? But what about this issue? What about this worry? What about my life and my circumstances? God, would you give us today, right now, the ability to trust you? God, to commit to you these things, even that we don't understand, but can trust that you are the God who works all things according to the counsel of your will, to the praise of your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.